The Lord be with you. So Pastor Ben is away, and today we have a text on planting seeds, soil quality, and crop production. Many of you know that I've been farming with my husband, Greg, for the past two and a half decades, but did you also know that I just finished a master's degree at Chico State in regenerative agriculture, which if you're not familiar with the term, is basically learning the relationship between soil um, or soil quality or soil health, as we like to call it, and crop production. Don't show that like it. So yes, I was a likely likely choice of preachers for today. And maybe that relationship seems obvious. Even Jesus confirms it in his parable that better soil leads to better crop production. But understanding the mechanisms for that scientifically so that farmers can farm more sustainably has been my focus for the past, for, for a good chunk of these past few years. However, my job today is not to give an academic lecture or a workshop for producers, even if at times it may seem that way. I promise you, this is a sermon. I took Pastor Ben's class and everything. Just so happens that understanding what good soil is in the academic sense provided a really good metaphor for me for interpreting the good news in this parable. And as an aside, I don't think that's a coincidence. And I think Jesus knew that nature is a really good teacher. He lays out the story with three situations in which seeds are sown but can't grow can't grow enough to produce a crop. First, the path where the birds eat the seeds, the seed before it can even germinate. Then a shallow soil over rock where the plant grows quickly, but without deep roots, it soon withers. And finally, where the seeds are sown, but the plants grow among thorns, which choke them out before they can produce a crop. And there's a fourth scenario to consider. In ancient times, they didn't have um, heavy machinery like we use today in modern agriculture. But today, the repeated pulverizing of the soil with tillage, combined with the heavy weight of giant tractors and combine harvesters, often leads to soil compaction, a situation that's not amenable to good crop growth either. Part of me thinks that if Jesus had known about John Deere, he would have incorporated the problem of soil compaction into the parable. (laughs) Many of us have heard this parable before, some many times. And the dominant message that I received over the year, over the years, was that while God was extravagantly generous in sowing all that seed, it was on me to be the good enough soil. Good enough for the world, for the word of God to metaphorically germinate, grow, 
produce a crop, to multiply the seed, the good news. And so I've spent a lifetime trying to be good soil, building spiritual practices into my life so that the seed would land and germinate and I would hear the good news. And also making good choice, making life choices that would produce growth, literally and figuratively. I've been in church since before I was born. Part of a family where at one time the only two professions, um, career options, were Lutheran minister or Lutheran teacher. I spent nine years in Lutheran parochial school, and since church was my family, as much or more than my biological family, I sought it out in college with Lutheran campus ministry and Episcopal campus ministries. I was waiting to hear God's call. And after college, life and work led us here to Faith Lutheran Church, where my family has been a fixture for mm, 25 years. And I've done every job, committee, team, group, board, project, program, event that exists in this church. And I'm not exaggerating. Just trying to paint the picture of a girl trying to let God know I was good soil. Outside of church, I've been a force for productivity. My idealistic college self believed that my purpose was nothing less than to save the planet. I took classes, jobs, even traveled the globe looking for the best way to do that. Eventually, I settled on ecological farming. The idea that one could protect the environment while feeding people. And I could use my science brain to figure out the best way to do that. And we had the opportunity to join my husband Greg's family farming operation in Princeton. And in the late 1990s, we began to grow crops and a family. We did a lot with the farm, converted it to certified organic, expanded and diversified the number of crops we grew, incorporated multiple kinds of livestock into the operation, all trying to mimic um, all trying to mimic nature's way of growing plants and animals. I lost my spot. <laughs> we wanted to mimic nature's way of growing plants and animals in order to produce the cleanest and the healthiest food for people and the planet. Also, at the same time, our children came in rapid fire, not the old-fashioned way, but instead through adoption and foster care. And as all parents know, they infused our life with both unfathomable joy and sometimes pain. And there we are, all sporting our brand new Massa Organics t-shirts. So there I was. Literally producing bumper crops of grain, a herd of children, and doing everything I could at church. But had I become good soil? Let's go back to the text. In the parable, what does Jesus mean by producing a crop? If the seed is God's word, 
the good news, and the expectation is to multiply it by 30, 60, 100 times, then having or being good enough soil would result in hearing, believing, and sharing the good news. I had heard the good news. Maybe I was sharing it a bit. Definitely believed it for everyone else. That everyone is loved unconditionally because of who they are and not for what they do. Heck, I even had the the quote, by grace you are saved through faith, figuratively tattooed on my Lutheran baby bicep. But I didn't believe it for myself. A lot, at least not in my heart. And faith in your head is different than faith in your heart. And here is how I know this. First of all, I've not really ever felt okay. Not okay enough to trust the coffee cup I've used every single morning for the past five years with St. Julian of Norwich's quote, All shall be well, painted on it. And not okay enough to be afraid of what y'all might think of me if I get up here and say something weird. And more importantly, even though I've been asked to preach before this, I knew that I couldn't stand up here and be okay enough to proclaim good news that I didn't truly believe in my heart for myself. So, if I was a plant... Up until now, I was producing, but I hadn't gotten past the vegetative state. Jesus wants us to produce grain, which are seeds, which are required for multiplying the good news. Plants have life cycles that have two parts. The first is that the plant must grow its body, the vegetative parts, leaves, stems, roots, all the vital things for doing the work that a plant needs to do to live photosynthesize, draw up water and nutrients, and grow into an herb or a shrub or tree, whatever it is. Second part of the plant's life cycle is reproduction, which means growing flowers, sometimes fruit, and producing seeds, which can then grow more plants. My life was like producing a whole lot of lettuce. All leaves. No flowers, no fruit, and therefore no seeds. But wait, I'm here. I'm here today, preaching. Because I believe in my whole heart, in my own heart, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I wanted to share it. So what happened? Well, What I've learned about soil, real soil, not metaphorical soil, is that healthy, functional soil requires structure and space. Specifically, pore space. P-O-R-E. Pore space. Soil is made up of matter, minerals, and organic substances, but about half the volume taken up by soil is pore space. Healthiest soil has the most pore space, with the minerals and organic matter aggregated into clumps 
that leave pore space of various shapes and sizes. The more stable the aggregates are, the more likely the pore space will stay open. It's like the aggregates create a scaffolding, a scaffolding type structure that creates this open space. I'm sure you're thinking, of course, now water can reach the roots through that space. And that is true. But there's more to it. Plants and crops need other things. They need more than water to grow. They need nutrients, like nitrogen. And those pores are critical for getting the air from the atmosphere into the soil. Our atmosphere is 78% nitrogen. All that nitrogen in the air is useless to plants unless it gets into the soil. When it gets into the soil, where bacteria are able to convert it into a form that the plant can use. And along with all those bacteria are myriad other microorganisms that through their different interactions with each other and the minerals, cycle all those nutrients that are needed by the crops. In fact, some of those microbes produce the glue that holds the mineral aggregates together, making the structure. And I even brought a picture, just so you can imagine soil with all these things going on and all that space with so much life going on inside the gaps in the pores. So you get the picture. Practically speaking, if we want good soil, we need to manage it. And this is farming or gardening. We need to manage it in ways that create and maintain the structure and pore space so that water and air can get in. And life can flourish in those pores, making available to the plant all that it needs to germinate, grow, reproduce. But back to the text. And back to me. I was trying really hard to be good soil. And I was being productive. Rice, almonds, livestock, five children. But I don't think this was the kind of production that Jesus meant in his parable. Because I didn't feel loved or okay. The good news had not really sunk in. Or grown and produced in a way that would help me feel okay. Farm life was like the situation of the seeds being eaten by the birds from the path in the parable. I was so often distracted by the constant urgency, things like timely planting or harvesting, or another piglet or lamb needing help being born, that those seeds of the good news would disappear before they could germinate. Or like the shallow soil over a rock, I was producing but I didn't have the depth of soil to, to support such a lifestyle. Again, like producing a really big crop of lettuce, so much vegetative production, but no seed, and hence no ability to reproduce. And then there was the thorny ground. How often in my life have I felt choked out by one family crisis, and there's a lot with a big family, after another, living in survival mode and convinced that I needed to be prepared for the next crisis. 
come. This doesn't allow one to reproduce either. It's not thriving, which is definitely not multiplying the good news. Finally, there's the extra threat to good soil that I mentioned earlier, compaction. The weight of all those responsibilities that I chose to take on was crushing. And over time, left me with little structure and even less pore space. And as time passed, Instead of growing and maturing into my best self, I realized I no longer recognized myself. And I was definitely not okay. In the summer of 2019, I learned about the newish, this newish graduate program at Chico State in Regenerative Agriculture. It was an exciting surprise because I'd always wanted to continue the research life I'd begun in graduate school in my 20s. That led us to, to, led to our interest in ecological farming. But Chico State's Ag Department, their focus had always been a little more conventional or traditional than I um, was interested in. So I was thrilled to learn that there was a movement toward doing more research on our type of farming something we'd sorely missed in our quest to figure out the best practices for so many years on our own. I was also excited to work on a new endeavor that would be just for me, for my personal growth and development, and I'd still have a chance to save the world, which is no joke because the field had evolved to not just protecting the environment, but literally to mitigating climate change through soil, soil carbon sequestration. And that is me digging up soil so that we can analyze it for carbon. Anyway, I took a leap, becoming a graduate student at age 50, and this was my first attempt to create some structure which would allow me space to learn and grow. Then, in spring of 2020, along with y'all facing a global pandemic, I, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Needless to say, it was not the space I wanted. But the world shut down, and I had to undergo cancer treatment, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. Call it what you will, stress, trauma, fear, but in response, my emotions <laughs> erupted like a volcano. I felt like I'd been completely broken open. That breaking open has been painful, and the structure from school has been joyful. Over these past few years, I've learned to relate to that pain and joy in the new structure and space that's been created. I was skeptical at first. How does adding one more thing? And there were lots more things. Classes, research, medical appointments, therapy sessions. How does that adding one more thing create space? And how does taking space? As I was often reminded to do by a beloved mentor. How does that help when when you already feel overwhelmed. I learned that just like healthy soil, more space allowed for more life to grow. More space 
allowed for the Holy Spirit to enter and make me good soil. How did that happen exactly? Here's my theory. Carving out space for myself to learn and grow in school and undergo cancer treatment was me actively loving myself. Taking the time to go to classes, read scientific papers, learn how to operate environmental monitoring devices, understand microbial metabolic processes, and how to program statistical analysis brought me joy, really. (laughs) Sitting in an infusion chair and receiving chemotherapy month after month or inside the giant radiotherapy chamber day after day was intense and scary, but made me realize how important I was to myself. And me actively loving myself was the space it took for the Holy Spirit to move in and help me realize that it was actually God loving me. And here's the thing. All those ways before that I was trying to be good soil, they weren't bad or wasted. If you look at the three examples that Jesus uses of not great soil, they weren't just... They, They were just not good soil yet. They had potential. What I've also learned in school is that building good or healthy soil is a dynamic process. Birds landing on a path leave an impact by stomping and pecking at the ground and then leaving their poop, which feeds microbes that cycle the minerals into the soil, which builds structure. Earlier I talked about How being pulled from so many directions, the farm, the kids, responsibilities at church, distracted me from the good news. But now I'm able to see those distractions as choices that I have. Choices that that I'm being more intentional about. Choosing those which give me joy. The shallow soil over rock gradually becomes deeper as plants and microbes metabolize, they uh, they actually do this, they metabolize the rock and transform it into soil. I've made contributions to the world by doing the farming and parenting and church going that I've done, but now I realize that without sufficient support, it's not sustainable, and I need to focus on building that support. And Jesus' third example about the choking thorns turns out that weeds, weeds are often an indication that the soil is deficient in, in certain nutrients, and those weeds, through their interaction with the life in the soil, also transform the soil into a more hospitable environment for crops in the future. The family crises that I mentioned before that consumed me with their frequency and their intensity, because I assume that being consumed meant I was a good parent. They do and will continue. I love my family beyond measure. But I no longer become consumed, at least not for as long. And before I close, let's just be clear. I'm not okay all the time. I will never choose the easy path, and I will always have anxiety 
but thanks be to God, I'm better than I was. It's just that it wasn't up to me to make myself into good soil. And the weight of all that trying was compacting me, crushing me. Finding the structure of grad school and the space I discovered through navigating a serious illness opened me up to the Holy Spirit and Christ's transforming love. It gave me room to grow. I understand now that I don't need to produce anything. I'm both good enough soil and the good news multiplied many times. And I am here today charged with proclaiming that you, too, are good soil and much beloved. I pray that you feel it in your heart more than in your head. And if you don't, that you hear the other good news in the parable, that the extravagant sower will not stop, but will keep broadcasting those seeds until they do reach your heart. Amen.